listening to Mystic Fix, a program for the whole being, with Julia Gordon Grammer on News Talk STL. Hello, I'm so excited to be here today on this, the second show of Mystic Fix. I'm your host, Julia Gordon Bramer. Our first show was a little awkward for me, but I found some gifts in that. One of them was in playing with the video cast. The camera angle was kind of bad. Uh, I was a little too far from my guest, and there was a lot of space in the middle. Uh, But that gave me the idea to do a a kind of pop-up videos version of the program, if you're old enough to remember VH1 uh, back back in the 1990s. Today, our second episode corresponds with the Magician card, which I am holding up right here. Um, We're going to talk to a visionary healer, Michael Abney, in the first segment, who about a year ago died on the operating table and came back to life. Then we'll go to author Jack Preston King, author of In Defense of Magical Thinking, We're going to remember the great poet and writer Sylvia Plath, who died 60 years ago on this day, and was a great practitioner of mysticism herself. And finally, Michael and I are going to tag team some readings for the callers. So let's let's, uh, introduce Michael now. So Michael, I have you as a visionary, entrepreneur, healer, and regarded as a spiritual thought leader. Um, You have a mission of helping dreamers accelerate their evolution and wake up to the most epic life. I love that. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, and most especially about your story? Well, um, what I do is what I've always done my whole life is I see the energy around things and people and never really understood why when I was younger and Basically, my whole life has been uh, understanding and learning what it is and how to use it. And you mentioned that I died on the operating table. I was dying. I died. My heart stopped while I was having a procedure done, a colonoscopy. And when I. (laughs) Of which you'll probably never (laughs) want to have again. (laughs) I trust. I trust the process. Okay. That's what happened. Yeah. I had to let go of controlling things. Mm -hmm. And. Um, I always wanted to manage how I use my gifts. And after that time or after that experience at the beginning of 2021, um, I was like, okay, I get it. Uh, you got my attention. And because I asked a question like, guys, why did, why did that happen? You know, I went in for a colonoscopy and I woke up in the ER. Like that was, uh, that, that was a foul. I didn't see yeah. that coming. And they were like, we needed you to pierce the veil of death so that you could see how to finally live. Oh, wow. That was the message. Oh. And a- Any memory of that time or no? Um, not like visual memories, but I definitely have feelings of like connecting to my, I was very close to my grandmother. So I definitely remember that connection or that feeling when mm-hmm. I came back. I have right now, I have chills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that said, um, the question that, well, basically what I did was I just surrendered to letting my guides guide my life. Yeah. And show me what was next. And it was just no longer an option for me to be like halfway in the world of the old world and halfway in the new world. It was Mm -hmm. like I had to fully transition Uh into living my life from the inside out. And that's what I teach other people how to do is how to live from the inside out, like not reaching outside of your something, uh, reaching outside yourself to manifest something, um, to create something like anything that causes you to reach out. 
that you think the solution's on the outside of yourself. Yeah. That all failed for me uh-huh. in a really big way. You're, you're making me think of the old hermetic uh, thing, you know, as above, so below, as yeah. within, so without. Yeah. yeah. But I had to live it. Like cool. there was no longer an option because I saw the energy patterns behind it. Like so many people have what's happening right now on the planet as a concept. And they think that they know it, but the reality is their life suck. And they're not using it. And all of my information from my guides are all about the application of spiritual wisdom into our daily lives. So we start perceiving it beyond our five senses because we all know we have way more than five. Right. right. <laughs> and, and that's kind of why I chose you as a guest for this week um, in alignment with the magician card here, uh, because he has all the tools on his table to make magic. And he is about manifesting in the world. But of course, that comes from within. And he is he's number one. He's he's very new on the path. Him, you know, this character, we, we might not be quite so new. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I, I just thought you would be a, a good embodiment of, of that and of, you know, the I- idea of, of manifesting, of visualization, of, of creation. And, and we create ourselves first and foremost. So. And I was I, I was born on the day of the magician, nine twenty eight. Love it. So yeah, it's it's in my blood. Uh huh. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I, I was born on the day of the strength card, uh, and there's for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Um, each day of the year, the Octero card is is uh, selected for for that day. So you know, in alignment with your astrology and and all kinds of things. So. Um, so you had this experience and you connected with your grandmother, you said. I remember her being in that space, uh-huh. you know, that space. It was only less than, I was like 17 or 18 seconds, I think, that they said that my heart okay. stopped. Okay, wow. And so, but, you know, when you're beyond time, mm-hmm. like, I just remember coming back and having that experience that I knew my granny was there. Yeah. Was it peaceful? And relaxed. Uh-huh. Okay. That's like so, one of the core things for, for manifesting anything, you know, is to be in this world right. and be peaceful. And right. Be, it's like the aha for me was this, uh, that came this year was understanding that meditation wasn't really about being, for me, was not about being still. It was about being relaxed. Uh-huh. It changed the game. Yeah. It's like we don't have to become anything. I think that's where people get it wrong. They're striving. They say, I want to become enlightened. I want to become self-actualized. And what I always teach my clients is it's more like returning to who you were on the day you were born, that that perfect, innocent soul, which was covered last week with the fool card. And um, and, and that person, you know, we would never look at a baby and say, eh, not quite, you know, let, let's have him accomplish something before he's lovable or, or let's have him have better hair. <laughs> like that's ridiculous, you know, but we put all that on ourselves all the time. And uh, and so uh, so, yeah, it's it's finding out who you really are, who you always were. And um, and that's harder work than it seems <laughs> oh my God. Like, just to be authentic and be yourself and not be scared, you know, like. This is almost like another coming out process for me, especially like the channeling part, you know, that they want me to keep doing that, keep expanding that. Sure, very and brave. I've so stayed away from that. Like you have no idea. Uh-huh. I wanted to have that be perceived that way. Because um, people, you know, they put labels. And yeah. Stuff, and it's like, I don't care, but their perception of me is 
diminished. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm, I want it to be just free, open, and accepting. And but that's also everything's just a mirror of me. So I have to practice what I preach. So sure. it's like my own shame of that. You know, like of it comes down to like not. You know, I never was one to be able to fit in anywhere. Oh. <laughs> I don't think that's part of being in in our line of work, you know, (laughs) we're the oddballs. (laughs) But it's weird how that energy, if you're not aware of it, can suck you in Mm -hmm. because the whole world is designed, you know, the old world does, um, you know, I call it like, well, it's just old earth. (laughs) Yeah. There's a new earth. So it's like the way we used to do things was based off of one thing and one thing only. It was trying to survive something. Right. And the new earth is about thriving. You can't survive in the new earth energy that's on the planet right now it's breaking down you just can't do it yeah you literally have to exit it yeah strange times so applying what you teach to these strange times how how do you approach you know there's a lot of serious depression there's a lot of anger there's addictions um how how does what you do as a healer work with that kind of energy if somebody comes to me with depression Mm-hmm. Well, I have a straight conversation with them because depression for energetically, not on a physical level. I'm be really clear about that uh-huh. on an energetic level. Your thoughts are in the past. Yeah, That's right. What causes the experience of the vibration in our body that we call depression. Mm-hmm. And if you're anxious, it's because the opposite. You're, you're in, in the, the future, future. Right. That's what the Buddhists say. Yeah. So, well, it's true. Uh-huh. It's like you have to you have to create a lifestyle where you live in the moment. Yeah. Like there's no other. There's no other way right Present now. moment is the only place of peace. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, you only enter it when you're relaxed. You can't take fear with you there. It doesn't right. allow you. It'll rebound you out of it. Right. Um, any lack, anything that's inauthentic, anything other than knowing yourself as the powerful being that we are, you can't enter into that inner womb, the inner world of who you really are. You know, like when I wake up in the morning, the very first thing that I do is I have a meeting with myself. Ah, and I, I like check that. in and see what the day is going to do, uh-huh. how it's going to work, and how I get to that place where I can connect. It's like connecting to the Internet. That yeah. place requires you to be really relaxed. Mm-hmm. So so do you formally meditate when you have this meeting? My guys or? gave me a meditation. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's like a relaxation meditation. And, okay. Um, I do that meditation, and I'm instantly in that zone. So for those who aren't familiar with guides... Because some some people are listening to this show and they don't know what the heck we're talking about when we make references. So, <laughs> Producer Leah is waving her hand. Yeah, Michael, why don't why don't you explain um, how how you got in touch with your guides, what your guides are, or who they are? Um, for me, I can only explain my own personal experience with it. I can't explain anybody else's experience with it. But we all have these voices in our head. And I, um, two thousand. And actually, September 11th is the first time that I heard them. Oh. Like, I knew it was distinct and different from the voice in my head. Because mm-hmm. it grabbed my attention like no other. Because it was literally the moment that the plane hit the towers. So it's the first time that it happened. And I just finished reading um, Eckhart Tolle, Power of the Now, three times. It was just this mm-hmm. magical moment on my porch. And it was like, that happened. And my partner at the time said, you need to watch this. And I came around the corner and saw the second plane hit. And something in me just broke open and said, this is why you came here. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, a series of events happened that was all educational, led me to one place. It was just this really fast journey. And I found myself eight years later 
um, two, well, seven years later, t- 2008, I was driving to work. I was a hairdresser. I loved what I, I loved being a hairdresser. It was the most amazing thing in the world. But I was driving to work one day and I was like, you're done here. Sell the salon. You're done here. Wow. Oh, you had a salon. Yeah. Oh, wow. I never okay. saw myself ever doing anything different because that uh-huh. was my ministry. That was my ministry. Uh-huh. Like, I, I work. I That's important ministry. Women. I yes. had my hair done this morning. <laughs> you know. I know. <laughs> like, I used it. I was a Reiki master. Like, it was the most amazing experience. I loved every one of them. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on, it was gone. And don't you see that everything you've ever done has been absolutely essential in building mm-hmm. you? You know, you probably yeah. got skills in, in the salon and and in Reiki, and it all Everything. becomes who you are today. Every yeah. single thing that's ever happening is always bringing you to the next spot. Like right. what got you here, it can't get you there, mm-hmm. but you have a tool bag that you e- Even that the, the failures, yeah. you know, nothing's a failure. That's the cool thing. Those are the ones that get you there the quickest. Yeah, yeah. Huge lessons, lots of teaching. Yeah. And, um, and we let our egos get you know the the ego is where the pain is <laughs> whenever we feel pain over something that's that we're trying to force happening or uh or or you know just trying to control or direct it a little too much that's our ego and uh there's there's no good in that <laughs> none and my guides show me like we were talking about guides so they're a very specific energy that i now resonate with and know instantly i they're like an old friend They've been there my whole life, and we've just gotten really, really close over the past couple of years. And I love them, and I love expressing what they have to offer. You know, like, they'll have, a ding will go off. You'll say something like you just said about the pain. And then they'll always reference me to show me, like, pain is really just resistance. Uh Uh-huh. It's the physical, it's the vibration that's caused in our body when we resist something. Yeah. So, energetically speaking. Sure. Not on a physical level, but on an energetic level. And then that's the way you can, that's the way you heal mm-hmm. is because you deal with the root of it, not the external of it. Yeah. That's, that's how healing happens. So, um, I knew I had guides before I knew I had guides and I just called it my inner voice and I didn't know, you know, I never quite gave it a name until I started doing the work on uh, Sylvia Plath and her work. And I would actually hear her voice direct me on occasion. Sometimes our guides don't tell us always what we want. <laughs> Sometimes it can be. Yeah. So um, so we're, we're running short on time right now. Michael, can you tell listeners how they can reach you if they want to talk to you, get guidance from you? Well, um, I have a website, michaelabneylife.com. Mm-hmm. It's just my name, life.com. And you can go there or I have a YouTube channel that you can interact with me there. It's, it's just uh, at Michael Abney Life. Okay, very cool. Thanks. Don't go anywhere. After these messages, Mystic Fix is back with author Jack Preston King to talk about the defense of magical thinking. We'll talk about the mysticism of Sylvia Plath some more and do a couple of psychic readings. You're listening to Mystic Fix on News Talk STL 101.9 and 94.1. This is Mystic Fix. A program for the whole being on News Talk STL. Welcome back to Mystic Fix on News Talk STL 1019 and 941. Our next guest is the author of 11 books with spiritual or supernatural themes, Jack Preston King. A former St. Louis resident, 
He had his Saul on the road to Damascus moment. You can tell I've been watching too much of The Chosen lately. Um, (laughs) Moment of enlightenment, what he calls his cosmic download that he writes about. Uh, You can read more about that on his website. But the book that I am interested in talking about today, in line with our magician card theme, is In the Defense of Magical Thinking. Uh, How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing great. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, I was looking over your table of contents and it's like it's all it's all the best questions that I could ask you. So I'm just going to pull <laughs> some of your questions out because I think it uh it really sums up the book very well. Um what I what I love in just skimming this book is our experience of the world happens inside of our brains. And, and you explain that the same logic is, uh, can be used for the God experience. Uh, I, I was wondering if you could uh, just elaborate on that a little bit. Well, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a collection of essays, so they don't all exactly connect together, but I'm going to do my best. Okay. Um, I, think, I mean, I think the most important, probably the most important thing a person can come to realize that, that really sets you free in life is, is understanding that your experience of life is your life. I mean, that is life. And that what you, what you decide, what you choose to, to recognize as real is what is real in your life, what is real for you. And, and that you're, this, this, this thing we experience as the outside world is all happening inside our brains, just like when we're dreaming or just like, so, so all, I'm, I'm, you'll have to edit some of this out. I'm, I'm like stammering <laughs> now, trying to, trying to sum this up. But the idea that that uh, what we believe and what we understand and how we personally identify with the universe is what the universe becomes for us, and that that's a, a really important insight. And it's not just like like affirmations and wishful thinking. It goes beyond that to the point where your your mind, your brain, and your mind create your universe, create your experience of life. And, right. and you have, you can take control of that. You can have a say in that. You're not a leaf on the wind being blown around by all the things that you've been told all your life. You can make that choice. And that's, that's like the, the central insight to everything that, that has become my idea of the, the spiritual, my spiritual idea of the world. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, you, you talk about how religious believers and atheists have more in common than they think. Absolutely. In, in that, uh, in, in when you ever you argue with atheists on Twitter, for example, that's something <laughs> that I've I've done off and on for years. Which um, I'll, I'll interrupt and say that is where you and I met. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And as much as Twitter has changed, I still enjoy it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still there. Um, the 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 thing is that that almost every well, pretty much everyone, including atheists, including believers, we all. What we what we choose to understand about the the outside world, about this world that we live in, is is entirely based on our biases. What what we want to be true, and and that's just as true of atheists as it is of, of religious believers. And and it's not just a, a, a tit for tat kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's understanding that that we we construct our reality by 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 the choices that we make. So when we, you know, the the, the very same that when a when a religious believer puts together their reality through the things that they understand and they believe and, and their experience of, of God, their experience of, of, of paranormal activities, their experience of, of, an, of an invisible world behind this, this obviously visible one, 
that's every bit as real as the atheist who, who says that science is the only thing that matters. And if I can't measure it, it's not real. And if I can't put it on the table and say, that, see that thing right there, that's real. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both constructing the world out of their beliefs. And that's OK. I mean, there's no there's no criticism. We, we automatically have been we've all been trained in the Western culture to uh, say, well, to, beliefs aren't real. Things yeah. are real. You know, and that and that, that's really new. I mean, that's only been happening for the past couple of hundred years, maybe, you know, the, the whole uh, enlightenment, scientific revolution, all that is super new in, in human consciousness. Um, we've never been quite as restricted in what we allow ourselves to to think and believe and experience as we have as human beings have been in our whole history. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that we put up with that. Now, now you believe that magical thinking is sort of formed in our in our developmental years, right? When we're young children, and so we get kind of used to thinking that way or not. Correct. Uh, and so I think, I think it's, yeah. it comes easier yeah, for terrible. some people. I think it's terribly important that that we encounter magical thinking as children, because if we don't, and when I say magical thinking, I'm talking about being raised in a religious education, going to church, that kind of thing, being raised, believing in fairies and ghosts and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, space aliens and new age things and stuff. I mean, I grew up in the 70s, so I had, I had a, a big mix of all of that. Um, but the, the, if you don't, if you aren't allowed to have magical thinking as a child and really believe that 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 the world that there's an invisible dimension to the world, uh, when you're an adult, you won't be able to do it. If you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't develop it as a child, it, it you'll lose it eventually. And and when you're, I've, I've met many many adults who simply don't have the capacity to to accept that even their own paranormal experiences as real. They just can't do it. They're, they're like, well, I must I must have just had a, a crazy moment or something, and they can't they can't accept that because they grew up in a house that didn't didn't go to church or didn't didn't have any kind of uh, spiritual beliefs at all. Didn't read the mm-hmm. astrology or you know the the the, the horoscopes in the newspaper, yeah. horoscopes in the newspaper, you know. And, and and so you you really it's it's a great divide. I mean it, the way the way the brain develops, if you don't develop the capacity for that kind of magical thinking as a child, uh, you'll you'll you can't develop it later as an adult. That's and and that's kind of sad, so, don't you think? I mean, I mean, are are you? Well, I think do you think people are hopeless? I, that, <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's very sad because uh, we all, in our culture we assume that none of the, none of that's real. We assume that that you know there there is no god. That's just a fairy tale, and we assume that that there are no ghosts. That's just a, that's just a fairy tale. You know that we 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 tell our children this even in grade school. We tell each other. We tell ourselves this all our lives, um, and. None, none of it's true, and I would say I would say at least everyone should consider the possibility that that's not the way it is. That actually all of this stuff exists. That God exists. That 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 pagan gods exist. That the supernatural exists. All these things are happening around us all the time, and we're filtering them out because our our brains have shut that down. And if we didn't learn to include that as a category when we we're children, if we don't get that magical thinking and and learn to think of the supernatural as a category as possibility in the world. We won't experience it as adults, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's not there. It just right. means that we can't experience it. Kind so of, I, I would, kind of in the way to. some people have have sensory development stronger than than other senses. Yeah, well, I think so too, and and I think that that you know we we also tell ourselves because we live in the scientific era, we tell ourselves that humans have five senses, mm-hmm. and 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 the, just the physical senses. But if you know, but anybody who's been in this world of, of the, the mystic fix for a while knows <laughs> that there's more than five senses. And, and if you don't develop those to some extent as a child, when you're innocent enough to believe in them, 
you you certainly won't later. And yeah. so, you know, I think I think there's a lot of people. I would say most of the people I know in this community um, are somewhere in between. You know, they 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 had a strong uh, imaginal or imagination life as a child, um, and it got pushed out of them through schooling and and all this uh, jobs, all the things that happen to us in life. And as adults, they've sort of worked their way part way back to that. And so they they that maybe they don't have overwhelming mystical experiences, but they, they do have some, they have smaller ones. They understand they're a little bit there. So, so thank God that they were able to have some kind of magical thinking as a child mm. because it, it allows them to have that as an adult kids who, who grow up with nothing but, you know, atheism and video games, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. a problem. I mean, I mean yeah. even video games are a thing because when I was, of course, when you and I were growing up, those didn't exist. But, right. Uh, you know, the thing about video games, I was thinking about that today. It's the same thing. When you when you let, it, let when children are playing all these video games, and, and you know, video games are full of magic and they're full of fantasy and they're full of, of weird characters and strange places, and it seems like it would be a really good development for magical thinking. But it's also at the same time, uh, every child who's playing a game knows they're playing a game, so they're 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 learning pretty young. I mean. Kids start well, with video games very young, and so, they're sorting the world into into what's real and what's in the game, what's on the computer, and what's in real life. And so they're they're still doing that categorizing thing, yeah. Where they're they're pushing them, they're they're putting the magic in a box. What and do you it, think about? Harder, I think. What do you think about like Harry Potter? You know, I I would think that Harry Potter turned a whole generation onto magical thinking. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think I I would think that that's true. I, when I think and I think movies are. A little bit different, maybe, because I can tell you when I was certainly when I was a kid in the theater, and even somewhat as an adult. When you go to a movie in the theater, uh, if you're if you're really absorbed in it, you forget you're watching a movie. It's, watching a movie is much more like having a dream at night. You you don't. Right. I, I I very rarely will sit in a theater and think I'm sitting in a theater watching a movie. <laughs> Instead, I I get completely lost in the story. I get completely lost in the characters and and everything that's going on, and let let my emotions flow. And and you know I I'm a real advocate for movies. I love them and. Uh, it's a it's a kind of a different experience, I think, um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not a different experience from video games, but it seems to me that it was. But maybe that's because there were movies when I was a kid, and there weren't video games <laughs> when I was a kid. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to go with my own bias. So there. you think magical thinking is a key to spiritual development? Um, how, how so? How how are they alike? How are they different? Well, I think I think magical thinking is critical to spiritual development because when we're in, when you're an adult and you're talking about spiritual development, that's what you mean. You mean that that's what that's what we mean by the term spiritual development is is having a conscious adult relationship with the invisible dimensions of reality, with with the entities that live there, with the intelligences that can be contacted there, like God. You know that with 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 the world that is full of magic, with the, with the magic that can be done by a person, you know, if if you if you haven't had the opportunity, if you didn't have an opportunity in childhood to experience magical thinking and to to, to, be, to be tolerated by the adults in your life and say go play, you know, and then be left alone to play, um, it'll be really hard to really to get in touch with that as an adult mm-hmm. because you you didn't you don't have the categories to think in, you don't have the categories to feel in. Um, and that's all that's all super important. I wish we could have we could make that a requirement in our society to say, leave the children alone from the yeah. ages of birth to about 11 years old. Let them do whatever they want. Let them play because yeah. uh, and, and, and don't tell them that it's just a dream. Don't tell them that it's just your imagination. Let them experience it themselves, because that's how you get adults who, who have the capacity 
for spiritual experience. Right. And and really, I, I truly believe that's where sanity is today, you know, with, with how intense everything is with politics and social issues and environmental and, and, and you know, all, all we have is kind of that, that inner life to, to keep us whole. And, 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 you know, you and I can look at Twitter and see just the pit of despair. And it's often tied to atheism, which I find very interesting. Uh, I have people who are quite combative with me sometimes uh, on the subject of faith. And, you know, it, it's not the kindest thing, but I often think, I, I, I usually don't respond this way, but I often think, and and how's that atheism working for you? <laughs> you know, because yeah, they're, they're so unhappy. And um, yeah, I mean, to me, it seems to be the only place of, of any kind of peace. Uh, we don't have time to cover every point in your book, obviously, and, and I hope that we're going to get enough people interested in your book that they'll want to um, go re- get it for themselves. But, uh, but you know, you, you make some good points, even in just the table of contents. Your worldview is not the world, and the God in your head is not the real God. Uh, c- could you explain those a little bit? Well, sure. That that uh, the idea that the God in your head is not the real God is really that that's that whole conversation about the Twitter atheists and and you know what God are you believing in and what God are you not believing in and and the thing is that we can, we're only human. We we can construct uh, concepts, ideas of what God is, of what spiritual dimensions are, but what we think about these things are not the things themselves. We, we always confuse the map for the territory. We mm. confuse the, the finger pointing at the moon for the moon itself. And that's really important to sort that out if you're on a spiritual path. It's Plato's theory the, of forms, <laughs> that there's absolutely. only one true thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and the fact that we are, for the most part, limited by five physical senses, and most of us really, you know, we don't, we don't tolerate believing in anything other than that. Um, we couldn't pot, you know, we're, we're, we're cutting ourselves off from so much that, that is out there. So you, if you have a really clear idea of what God is and who God is and how God works and all that, that's still a good idea. That's not God. Mm-hmm. And when, when an atheist says your, your God doesn't exist, that isn't real, that's still their concept of God that they aren't believing. It's like, okay, well, don't believe in your own concept of God. That's fine. But that doesn't say anything about what's real right. at all. And, and that my book, in a lot of ways, that this this book is a, a take walking a person through that process of under of sorting a lot of that out, so that when people are arguing with you, you understand. Uh, you know, most of the time when you get flustered when you're argue, when you're just having a conversation with an atheist on Twitter, most of the time when you get flustered, it's because what you don't recognize it yourself, but you also accept these materialist, physicalist, scientific ideas of reality because you were trained to it. That's what they taught you in school. Right. That's the only only story you've ever heard. We, and so you you find it hard to argue around what they're putting out there. So you have to take this step back. And this book is all about taking that big step back and realize and and seeing that that's that's not everything they're throwing you is is garbage. I mean, it's awesome. really it's just their ideas, just like you have your ideas. Right. And and then you can escape that that round robin of having to answer all their little questions and and them trying to catch you in something and put you in a box. Okay, we have to wind it up here. But um, how can people find your books? Uh, I'll say plural books because you've got so many good titles there. Um, everything's shows. on Amazon and uh-huh. the easiest way to find out what's going on in my world is jackprestonking.com awesome thank you so much Jack appreciate you talking to us today and uh, have a great afternoon thanks Julia bye bye 
When we come back, we're going to talk some more about Sylvia Plath, and we're going to take some callers and do some readings. Michael and I will be tag teaming. You're listening to Mystic Fix on News Talk STL 101.9 and 94.1. You're listening to Mystic Fix on News Talk STL. Welcome back to Mystic Fix on News Talk STL. All right, we're talking to Michelle right now. And Michelle, what's your question? Uh, Michael Abney and I are both going to tag team read you today. Mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. Well, first off, thank you for the reading. Um, my question is, I would like to ask um, how Reiki fits into my future. Okay. All right. So, Michael, do you, you feel drawn to go first or should I? I think you should go first. All right. So I have pulled two kings for you, Michelle, the king of wands and the king of swords to start. I have five cards here total. And um, this tells me that that you are well on your way, if not already there, to becoming a master. So king of wands is about enthusiasm and fun and energy. And king of swords is the application of that energy and the action. So that is pretty impressive. Your central card is the death card, and that is not about anyone dying, of course. Uh, The death card is a transformation card. It says the old life is behind you, and you're in a whole new life. So I do see Reiki taking you to an entirely different phase in your life, elevating you here. We also have the seven of cups, which I call our bucket list card. So it's about um, achieving some dreams, making some things happen. And Temperance in Reverse, which is a healing card. Uh, So I I actually see you are already showing as an active healer. And uh, and I'm pretty impressed. It it looks like your skills are are sharp. Uh, Michael, you have anything to say? Well, as a Reiki master, too, um, when you get to that space, just know that Reiki is a door opener. And just really be open to it taking you in a lot of different places and don't let, don't let the thought of being a Reiki master or someone that gives Reiki um, be a stop for you or be limited. Just, it is an open door to a lot of beautiful things in your life and congratulations for taking it on. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. Take care. All right, Angela, um, what is your question? I am an author. I published my first book last summer. Congratulations. And I'm struggling to write book number two. I have all these ideas in my head. I just am having a hard time getting them on paper. My goal was to publish my second book this coming summer, but at the rate I'm going, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so my question is, what do I have to do to get this book number two going? Okay, let's take a look. And, uh, and I neglected to tell you, I'm tag-teaming today with psychic Michael Abney, so he's going to also offer his Ooh, impressions. Oh, nice. I like it. <laughs> I read more of the energy around things. Um, so what you, okay. you've got the second book coming out. She's, Excuse me? You're blocked in having the second book come out? I'm blocked, yes. I've got it started. I have a handful of chapters written. I'm just... Uh, 
major writer's block, but it's been writer's block for several months. And I really just want to remove that block and get it going and get book number two published. And how do I do it? Do you meditate? I do. In the morning? At night, typically before bed. Do it first thing in the morning. And um, the block is that you're resisting being right where you're at. That's the biggest block okay. that I sense for you. Like the little resistance to accepting that you have writer's block will release, will release it. Like just be okay with not writing another book and then the other book will come. And, and I'll just okay. add in looking at your tarot cards. So we start with the seven of swords, which is about being at the, in the right place at the right time. And I don't think, I think you should be more in flow than force. So I would say, wait, uh, your Ace of Swords is, it, it is going to come, it is going to start. And, uh, and I think when it does start, you've got a Ten of Pentacles. So I see it just pouring all over you. But you might just not be in the right place, or you might have to experience something or have some feelings first before you're totally ready. So we've also got a Nine of Pentacles in reverse, which is showing me that you, you're looking at this like there's a little bit of a sacrifice. And so I might say your energy's just a little bit wrong. Like you don't sacrifice your time for your book. You don't force yourself to write the book. You receive the book and you get excited about this beautiful child that you're creating, basically. So, so it's happening, but maybe not on the timetable that you want. Okay? Right. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You bet. Take care. 60 years ago today, the poet and writer Sylvia Plath died by suicide in her London apartment. Most people know she fought depression and at least one failed suicide attempt before she was successful. I've spent the last 20 years of my life as a scholar of Plath, first discovering her link to the tarot. To date, I've published three books on Sylvia Plath, with another, The Magician's Girl, The History and Mysticism of Sylvia Plath and Ted Hughes, I'm holding a picture up for our videocast here, coming out in 2024 with Inner Traditions. I owe so much to Plath, as a writer, as a reader, and as a mystic. Her work introduced me to Kabbalah, alchemy, expanded my interest in astrology, astronomy, numerology, mythology, the arts and the humanities, and history. In my first book, Fixed Stars Govern a Life, Decoding Sylvia Plath, that was published in 2014, uh, Stephen F. Austin State University Press, I show how each poem in Plath's Ariel can be read with six different meanings. Plath was a genius's genius. That book is out of print. But I've done studies on two of her most famous poems, Daddy and Lady Lazarus, which have their own short books that I've put out, and more are coming. Look for my books on Amazon or write me at julia at mysticfix.com for information on how to get a PDF of the first book, which is now out of print. Oh, and just a fun little aside, a woman from Iran wrote me recently searching for that book. And she said, I can't find it anywhere, and it's very difficult. And, you know, she, she just alluded to how hard it was being a woman in Iran right now and, and not being allowed to read. It's, it's kind of a covert thing to be educated. 
And uh, so, of course, I wasn't going to charge her, <laughs> and I sent her the PDF, and I got a lovely letter from her husband, who wrote on her behalf, and I, I put it up on my Facebook, but uh, I was very touched that you know, Sylvia was one of the first literary feminists, and she's still doing the work. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. So um, if you'd like to meet me in person to get a tarot card reading, uh, and and if you'd like to party uh, for Mardi Gras, stop into the Masquerade Ball of the Two Well-Known Gentlemen. This is Saturday, February 25th at the Old Bush Brewery in Washington, Missouri. Admission is just $20 for a drink, a slice of king cake, music, and fun. You have questions too, don't you? About what? I sense it around you. Um, okay. <laughs> well, did you want to ask us a question or? I don't know. <laughs> He's the one that brought it up. Okay. It's like, oh. Hey, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to, no, but <laughs> I was curious, though, because once he said that, I'm like, OK, OK, please do tell me about me. What are you sensing? I'm curious. I just sent you had a question. It was related to it was a generational question. Something about something very specific about your point of view and how you see the light, how you see the world. OK, like questioning, like maybe why it is the way it is or something something in that arena um so i don't know if that at that specific moment i had that question but i know lately i've been questioning how i look at things yes okay (laughs) like i don't know (laughs) again it's a a, producer leah on the spot (laughs) it's a touchy subject is it in a specific area um like what do you mean like the question that you have, is it in a specific area well, of I didn't, life? I didn't know I had a question. Like, I mean, I always have questions because my mind you is do. always going. But exactly. <laughs> and I think I, maybe I did have a question, but not related to that. It might have just been like, okay, what are you going to do next? Like <laughs> to her. I was thinking, you know, after the caller, I'm like, okay, what she want to do next? And I was going to, so. It's about your generation. Generation. Okay. That you grew up in. Your peer group. Yeah. I'm in like how you see them or Gen like how, Z. like, yeah, you have a very unique point of view. Me? Your generation. Oh. And you. You're in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I hate, I hate when people ask me about Gen Z questions because um, I don't actually, <laughs> you I don't, don't, I don't, what? You don't identify as Gen Z, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you're your own person. Well, you're mean, not part of that. Technically, well, I was born in 97, so I hit that right at the line of Gen Z to millennial. So kind of, I don't really identify with most Gen Zers, but I mean, also, I don't, like, I don't talk to a lot of people. Like, (laughs) I don't have a very big social life, so when people come to me and are like, what are people your age talking about? I'm like, I have no idea, or, you know, or what you see, like, on social media of what people my age are talking about. It's like, you know, people with blue hair and they're, you know, just crazy and it's like ugh. <laughs> like that's not me but yeah <laughs> what do you think when you look at the world like what is your perception of what's happening globally like with our planet with, yeah. with the people like do you see sustainability like what is your point of view like how do you see that well and you fitting into it yeah. is my point because you grew up in a space where you're looking at older people right uh-huh obviously doing some really crazy stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you don't have a voice to talk about it. I've 
I've never really had a voice. It's very ironic. And yet you're in radio. I got in radio. It was very, just very unlike me that I found radio. So, yeah. And it it might be, yeah, it's caused some issues being in radio because I don't talk much. So. But you have a lot to say. I do. (laughs) That's what I was sent to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I have a lot of, like, energy and I like fun, up like, fun things and sometimes get tired of political. So. Well. It's naturally divisive, and it says that there's this camp and this camp, and only one can win. It's a zero-sum game. And so it produces animosity, and it's about you're different from me, and I believe this, and you believe that. And that's no way to unity. And, and you know, the, the sad thing is 10, 15 years ago, I could have a barbecue, and a bunch of people could come over, and there'd be Republicans, there'd be Democrats, there'd be communists there'd be anarchists (laughs) and everybody's having a fine time you know and nobody's like separating and judging and and so yeah unfortunately that the world is not like that today but um well that wraps up another episode of mystic fix hope you had as much fun as we did for book giveaways information on getting a reading on the show or privately having me at your event to speak or read tarot or to connect with our guests or just to say hi, visit mysticfix.com. Be sure to check out our video casts with extra information and a little bit of fun, available on all major platforms. This is News Talk STL 1019 and 941.